This teaching is entitled, Exalt the Truth Over the Facts. First thing I want to do is to define three of the words in that title, and then we'll dig in. The first word I want to talk about is the word exalt. To exalt means to give a high regard. It means to give a higher rank or position of authority. We have a choice what we exalt, what we give a higher regard or a higher position or a higher authority in our own lives. The title of this message says to exalt the truth over the facts. So let's talk about those two words, truth and facts. If you look up the word truth, just in a dictionary, it says real and certain. Truth is real and truth is certain. Look at how Jesus uses the word truth. This is John 17, verse 17. This is one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's when the whole book is a prayer that Jesus is praying to his father. And in this verse, he says to his father, he says, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The word sanctify means to consecrate or to separate unto God. So Jesus is praying to his father that we will be consecrated unto him. That we will be separated from all of the stuff in the world and, and connected with him. And he says that it happens by truth. He says, sanctify them with your truth. And then he says, your word is truth. That statement right there. The word of God is truth. That needs to be settled in our hearts. Completely settled. So the question is, do you believe that the word is truth, that it is real, and that it is certain? Exalt the truth over the facts. Now the facts... The definition of fact is something that is known by actual experience or by observation and is evident to your senses. So facts, guys, are those big things that are in your life that you're experiencing, that you're observing. And this is a healing class. So those facts could very well be pain, something that you feel. It could very well be a bad report that the doctor's given you, which is something you've heard. It could be um, the, the written bad report, something you see. It could be a tumor on your body, something you see. That's a fact. Those are all facts. Many times they're documented things. In my case, the facts of my, doc of my diagnosis was um, a mole that had a positive biopsy a fine needle biopsy of a lymph node that was positive. Those were facts. A CAT scan that had enlarged lymph nodes, that was a fact. A PET scan that lit up, which means, according to the doctors, that there's cancer activity. All of those were documented medical facts. But let's look at what Hebrews 11.1 1 says. This is from the Passion Translation. Now, faith brings our hopes into reality. 
and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It, faith, faith, is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. This is talking about the unseen. This is talking about faith believing what you don't yet see, what hasn't yet been revealed to your senses. It's believing truth over facts. And it says here that faith is all the evidence you need. Faith is confidence in the truth, confidence in the giver of the truth. Bless you. Confidence in the faithfulness of God. And it says in the scripture that that's all the evidence we need to prove what is unseen. So the question that we're going to go to today, this is just an introduction. The question we're going to look at is where do we rank the truth? Do we exalt it above the facts? Facts are really real. Facts are big in our face. Do we exalt the truth over the facts? We need to. We need to give it higher authority. If he says it, it's real. It's certain. It's very important not to question God's promises because of the facts in your life. It's important not to question if his promises are yes for you or to wonder if it's God's will for you. Truth will never change, but facts will. His truth is unchangeable, but facts are subject to change. I'm evidence of that, and many of you are too. So in your, on your handout, you're going to see a couple of boxes. And in those boxes, there are some big ideas that we're going to look at and then, and then go to Scripture to, to um, give them life. And the first one that's in the box says, the negative report that we might hear from the doctor is not the final report. That's good, right? So the final report is God's report. This is a good book, and I've read the end, and it's got a good ending. His final report is a good report. God's word is full of life. It's full of power. It's not just words on a page. Hebrews 4.12 says that. It says, my word is alive and powerful. The word of God is holds the same power as God himself. It's part of him. Listen to this scripture, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then in verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelled among us. Jesus is the living word. Jesus gave evidence to the promises of God. All of the promises were fulfilled through God, through Jesus. So God's word is really, really, really alive and powerful and true. Psalm 138 verse 2, I love this, this verse. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. That's God's word. He says, I have magnified the word, my word, above your name. His word is powerful. 
So God's report is the final report. And man's report is subject to change. Man's report may be a bad report. It may be a negative report. But that bad report doesn't have to carry the highest authority unless we let it. We're going to talk today about which one we're exalting because whichever one we're exalting, whichever one we're giving more power in our lives is going to have authority. And we want God's final word, God's good report to have final authority. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. We've all heard that. We've probably quoted it. We've probably said it. But let's think about what that means for a minute. In this world, from the time we were a little bitty like Eva over there, from the time we were a little bitty, we used our senses to help us. We used our senses to see and to learn and to experience and to explore. And that's really good in the natural. God gave us senses and we need them. But we should not use our senses in spiritual matters. And that area in spiritual matters, we need to go by faith and not by sight. We're not to be moved by our senses. Faith is not activated by our senses. Faith is activated by truth. Let me say that again. Faith is not activated. It's not alive. It's not energized by our five senses. It's activated by the truth of the word of God. We need to keep the truth before us and stand firm in the truth, even when the facts of the bad report are huge. God's word, God's promises, they are the evidence that we need to put our faith in. Faith believes the truth of God's word before we see the facts change. That's what Hebrews 11.1 1 says. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. So all that's good. Okay, walk by faith and not by sight. Senses we need to put aside, believe what we don't see. How? How do we do that? The next question on your paper says, how do we do that? How do we exalt the truth over the facts? How do we give the truth higher authority than the big, 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 big facts that are right in our face or in our body? I'm going to share three things, three big ones. And the first one is direction from God. It's a scripture. It's Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 23. I shared it last week. I'm going to share it again. I'm going to read it all the way through, then I'm going to take it a line at a time and, and show how God is teaching us to exalt his word above the facts. He says to you, to me, he says, my son, my daughter, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For their life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. The first line, verse 20, says, We are to give attention to his words. Remember, Jesus said, My word is truth. So we are to give our attention to the truth. That word give attention means to take 
care of it, to watch over it, to spend time with it, to focus on it. It takes time to give attention to the word, to give attention to the promises of God. This is a key to exalting the truth. Father, I pray right now that our attention, our heart, I don't want to rush, our heart is open to your truth, that we are focusing even right now on this truth and letting it enter into our hearts. The next line says we are to incline our ear to God's sayings, to his word, to his truth. It's almost like God saying, are you listening? I've got this promise for you. Are you listening to me? Are you agreeing with me? Or are you agreeing with what your body's saying? Exalting the truth means we choose to agree with God. We choose to listen, be open, pay attention, spend your time with the word and choose to listen and choose to agree with God. If we're listening to our body and waiting for our body to change so that we can say, okay, God, now I believe your truth. You're backwards. You're exalting the facts above the truth instead of exalting the truth above the facts. Verse 21, don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Your heart's different than your mind. There's a difference between mental assent. That means, you, okay, it's in my head. Uh, uh, okay, God, I, I read it. Yep, yep, got it. No, okay, I know that. It's in my head. There's a big difference between having it in your head and having it in your heart. We've talked a lot about meditating on the word of God and allowing the word to feed your soul. It takes time. Sometimes God kerplunks it right into your heart. And that was my prayer at the beginning of this session. But many times it takes time to get from your head to your heart. Even what I'm sharing with you today, as I continue, you may say, I'm not so sure about that, Cindy. You may need to go home and meditate on this till it becomes real to you. My rhema doesn't do you any good. It needs to be your rhema. And that often happens through talking to God about it, asking God about it, meditating on his word yourself. And that's what it says. It says if, if we need to keep God's word not just in our mind but in our heart. If God's word is just in your mind, you may be that wave in James 1 that gets tossed to and fro. Belief, unbelief. Belief in God's word, and then those darn symptoms come screaming in your face and you kind of get over into that place of wondering or questioning if that's really God's will because it's in your head instead of your heart and you go bouncing back and forth. And that's when you get into things like symptoms and, and doctor's reports and researching and reading all this stuff and fear and doubt can rise up. But if it's down here in your heart, Faith rises up, even in the midst of that storm. Faith rises up above the storm. The next line says, 
for they, for the words of truth, for God's words of truth are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. I told you this last week. You probably could teach it to me now. But that word life means physical life. The word is che, the Hebrew word che, and it means physical life. The promise in this scripture is that as we exalt the word through giving it attention, through letting it come into our heart, it is life, physical life. And it is healing and health to our flesh. And that word health in the Hebrew also means medicine. It's medicine to our flesh. Truth will change those facts because when we take that truth in, it is medicine. It's better than any man-made medicine. Nothing wrong with man-made medicine. But the word is way more powerful. And when we give everything to God, in the natural in, and in our, our spiritual realm, we give him lordship over all of it. He can take anything and make it perfect. He can take the chemo and make it the perfect medicine. He can take the, the physical therapy and make it the perfect physical therapy. He can lead you to the exact right doctor, the exact right supplement, whatever it is. He can heal you without any of it. He makes everything perfect because he's God. And I just trust him and believe him. And I know you guys are growing in that as well. The next verse says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. That word keep means to guard or protect your heart. God's giving us a little warning here. He's just given us all this direction about the word and how important it is. And then he gives us a warning. He says, guard your heart. He tells you to keep that word in your heart. And then he says, guard your heart, protect your heart with all diligence. He's serious. He's saying this is really important. Guard your heart. We guard our heart by what we feed it. If we feed our heart with facts, research, talking about the problem, um, processing constantly the problem. We're feeding ourselves with facts. And when we feed ourselves solely with facts, what you're feeding is fear, doubt, and unbelief. How many of you have been there? When you're focused on the research, when you're focused on the problem, when you're focused on the, how, what do I do next? What doctor do I go to next? Fear is fueled. But if you feed yourself with truth, you're feeding your, your faith. And faith arises. And then out of it, out of that healthy heart springs the issues of life. That word issues means the source of life. So there's a beautiful God lesson on how to exalt the truth above the facts. Now I want to go to a couple of more nuggets that God has um, opened up to me that I want to talk to you about. The first one is many of us including Christians, including believing believers, people that believe every word in here and know that it's God's will to heal and know that Jesus is the healer. Many of us are believing, expecting, anticipating the good report that you're, you're, you're standing in faith 
with all of your heart, you're declaring the word, and you just know when you go to the doctor, you're going to get a good report. Now, here's the problem. If you're not guarding your heart when you go to the doctor, and you're expecting that 100% good report, if the doctor gives you a negative report, it can be a power, negative power, negative power attack of the enemy. And you can walk out feeling um, uh, shipwrecked. Your faith is shipwrecked. You can walk out feeling defeated. But what I'm sharing today is that if you guard your heart with the truth, if I, n- many of you have gone for a report, Brock, you went one, um, Christine, you went for one this week and you're waiting the report. You may have got yours already. Okay, because I talked to her this afternoon. Okay. You got to go to the doctor next week. When you go, you know the truth. Take that truth and have it literally be between you and that doctor. And nothing that doctor says will affect what's in your heart because you're guarding your heart with the truth. Good reports, we all love those good doctor reports. But you have the final report. You have God's report. You have a really good report. By the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. And no matter what that doctor says, you still have the good report. And if you don't go in guarding your heart with the truth, you can be attacked and have a a shipwrecked faith and come out defeated. And God doesn't want that. Sorry, I skipped the page here. But... If you go in, if you go into that doctor, believing and declaring God's word is true, no matter what the doctor says, no matter what that report says, you will not waver in unbelief. And out of your heart, just like the scripture says, out of your heart springs the issues of life. That's a mistake many of us make. We go in thinking that that has to be the, the report of God has to be the report of man. It has to come together. And if you go in and it doesn't, it's like, what am I doing wrong? I'm not doing anything wrong. That report just hasn't moved yet. It will. It has to. But we don't have to walk in and come out shipwrecked. God's word is true. Well, if God says it, it's a done deal. God says by the stripes of Jesus we're healed. It's a matter of time before that thing changes. It has to change. Nathan, it has to change. has to. Um, I want to share a little itty-bitty piece of my testimony right now because this is, I lived this. Many of us have lived this. But um, at the beginning of the um, fight that I had with cancer, the diagnosis was, um, came from a mole that was positive, a fine needle biopsy of a lymph node that was positive, a CAT scan that showed enlarged lymphatic nodes all over my body, and a PET scan that lit up everywhere. And that was where the stage four diagnosis came from in my body. Um, I didn't know Jesus when all of that happened. I came to know Jesus really shortly afterwards, and I immediately started paying attention to his word. I immediately started... Um, I had a Charles Capps book. I immediately started feeding on a scripture, taking it in, reading it out loud, feeding my heart, feeding my heart what was true. About a month later, they went in and tried to get more fine needle biopsies of some of the other lymph nodes, and the test came back inconclusive. 
That was my first good report. It had been about a month that I was seeking the truth and feeding my heart with the truth. And I took that as an amazing good report. But right after that, my doctor ordered another PET scan. He was a little bit confused. So he ordered another PET scan. So before that second PET scan, I went in um, um, with two very strong prayer requests and beliefs. And one was for a good report, just like we've been talking about. I went in believing for that good report. I went in believing for wisdom. Those were my two prayer requests, a good report and wisdom. When I went in for that test, I didn't get a good report. I got a bad report, according to man. And it really caught me off guard. I was expecting the report to say no cancer, but it didn't. It said that the second PET scan confirmed the, th the first one and that all of the lymphatic areas in my body lit up and there was evidence of malignancy throughout my whole body. The way that it happened, um, I didn't get that via a phone call. Right after the PET scan, they told me to wait in the waiting room and they called me right back. That had never happened before. Usually I had to wait. So when I went back and they gave me the bad report, the first thing that happened was the devil's darts just started to pierce me and the fear and the oppression and everything just tried to do its thing. But my prayer started to manifest. The answer to my prayer started to manifest and God started to give me wisdom. I asked questions that weren't, they weren't me. God was giving me questions to ask. And because of my questions, the technician took Kent and I to the computer screen and showed us the PET scan and how it was lit up in different areas. And through the questions that I asked, I deduced that the degree of cancer was less in the second PET scan than it was in the first PET scan. The other thing I saw on that scan that the technician didn't even tell me is that the first um, lymph node, it was in my groin, the first lymph node that had been positive with a, with a needle biopsy wasn't lit up. And I pointed, I said, what about that area? That's, I've got a lump here. They're telling me there's live melanoma right there, but I don't see any light up in that area. And she tried to explain it away. Well, maybe the PET scan didn't pick that up, but the needle biopsy trumps the PET scan and the needle biopsies, you know, you, you have cancer there. It's basically what she was telling me. But when I went home, I went home in all, with all my heart, knowing that the degree of cancer was less, that I was in the process of healing. And then God gave me a rhema word when I got home. I opened my Bible, and for the first time, I read a word I'd never read before. I'm a brand new Christian. I've never read most of the Bible. And I opened my book to Philippians chapter 1, and the word he gave me was verse 6 and verse 12. And it says, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it through to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He was showing me. It's a process. He says, Cindy, I'm working in you. I guarantee you. I promise you. Be confident, Cindy, that I've begun a good work in you and I'm going to finish it. And verse 12 says, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul was talking about himself, but I took that for me. I typed this 16 years ago. This sheet of paper was printed off of my computer 16 years ago. And these are some of the scriptures that, I, that God gave me as rhema. 
I went and looked for them because I had put it away. It was on my refrigerator for a long, long time. I put it away, though, and I wanted to show you. 16 years, God gave me that rhema word. That might be your word for today. Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, Heather, is bringing it through to completion. He's a God who finishes what he begins. 1 Corinthians 2.5 says that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We need to be careful where our faith is. We need to respect our doctors and um, uh, acknowledge their gift. I have a gift of teaching. Doctors have a gift of compassion and medicine and knowledge. And that's good. We all have gifts for different reasons. And it's great to respect and, and you know, acknowledge their knowledge. But where's your faith? Is your faith in that man or, or woman? Or is your faith in God for that man or that woman? John 10.10 10 says that the thief came to, or comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they might have a life and have it more abundantly. Don't let the devil rob you by not guarding your heart. So here's the next question I want to address. Are you waiting to feel healed? Are you waiting to feel a touch from God or the manifest presence of God in order to believe his report? Now, last week, we experienced the manifest presence of God in an amazing way, and it was powerful. But some of you, Nathan wasn't here. I mean, we were literally saying, oh, we wish Nathan was here. There was a, Ethan shared a testimony, or Evan. Evan shared a testimony of a, a woman who was in a wheelchair for years, and he and some other friends prayed for that woman, and she was completely healed. And we saw that testimony, and it was like, that's for you, Nathan, the power of the testimony. And you were here. (laughs) But you know what? It doesn't matter. God is the healer. Maybe you were here. Sherry got a touch from God last week. um, Dan was touched by God, and the, the darn pain came back. Dan's foot is dropping again. There's no evidence of it. Something Something in the nerve? Okay. Okay, well, that's good news. That's really good news. The point is, we don't have to feel the presence of God in order to receive from him. So let's look at what this says. It's awesome to feel God's presence. We yearn to know the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and to honor him and to, to be in that presence and the glory of God with miracles, signs, and wonders following. And that's good. That's really good. But we don't always feel his presence. We don't always receive instant healings or miracles. That's why faith is so important. Every one of us has the, the, the faith of God in us. We have the measure of faith. It's a matter of how much of that measure we use and activate and believe. We can always go to the truth. 
We can always go to God's promises, the truth. Faith doesn't go by what you feel or see. It goes by truth. And the truth is available to all of us. Just because you don't see or feel God's presence doesn't mean he's not there. It doesn't mean he's not working. If you think you need to feel his presence, then you're going by your senses. Faith says you, to believe what you don't see or what you don't feel. Faith is more important than outward signs. Faith is more important. As we stand firmly and refuse to be moved, as we continue to exalt the truth over the facts, those facts will change. If you think you must see the evidence before you receive, you're contradicting your faith. Mark 16, 18 says, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. The word recover um, points to a process. It implies a process. Don't give up. That's what the enemy wants you to do. My healing was a process. I'm not saying that we don't all want miracles and I'm open. You guys, I know you're open to miracles, the suddenlies, but your suddenly will come. But we need to stand consistent. One of my favorite analogies for this recovery process is that, is that of a, a plant. I should have brought the pictures, but I have um, a couple of big plants in my house and I only water them about every two weeks, once every two weeks. They're really hardy plants. And the way I, way I know it's time to water them is because they're laying flat on the floor. <laughs> so they're these big, green, beautiful plants. And when I walk in and they're drooping and laying down, I say, oh, it's time to water. It must be two weeks. So I go get my... <laughs> I do. They're, they've been living ever since Kent's dad died because we got him at his funeral. God won't let them die. So anyway, um, I go and I water them. They don't stand right back up. But I don't worry about it. I don't say, oh, I wonder if it's working. I wonder if that water's working. I wonder if they're going to get healed or if they're going to die. I don't worry about it. I know that the water is there. I know that they're going to stand back up and they're going to be fine. And they do. When we pray, we need to have that confidence that our prayers are powerful, that our prayers are, our words are alive, our words are powerful. And they're going about doing some business. Many times we don't see it, but it is happening. The next little box in your, on your paper says, until you make God's word the highest authority in your life, it will not have complete authority in your life. If something else is higher, then God's word isn't. So friends, if you are in a place where the facts of your life are screaming at you. Um, fear, pain, a bad report. If you're in a place where there's so much distraction and so much in your life that it's so loud, this is what you need to do. You need to take a stand. And instead of listening to that, you need to speak to it and tell it about your great big God. Tell, talk to that pain. Say, pain, I have some news for you. Jesus carried my pain. You have no authority. I have authority over you. So you might as well forget me. You messed with the wrong lady. You messed with the wrong person. You stop 
in the tracks. And you talk louder than the loud pain. You talk louder. You speak with more authority than the authority that that thing has over you. Take a stand. That's the first thing. The second thing, remember our great big God. Remember what God says. Remember what his promises are. His truth, remember, his truth is your evidence. His truth is your proof. So speak his truth louder than those facts, those reports, or those feelings. Don't let them have higher authority than God. Put God's word first, not second. Don't let the, the, the stuff have a higher power in your life than the power of the word. Exalt his word of truth. Elevate it over what you're thinking, what you're feeling. Faith is not denying the facts, but it's exalting the truth. Facts are facts. Pain is, is, is pain. But the truth supersedes it. Faith isn't denying the facts. It's elevating the truth. It's not a line to agree with God. Some people feel like when they're, they're declaring the word, they're lying because the facts are different. Nope. Truth supersedes facts. This is real. Remember, truth is real and certain. So when you're declaring this, You're not lying. You're agreeing with God. It's also not a bad confession to state if you're having a physical problem. Um, Somebody, I don't remember who it was. I talked to so many people. Somebody talked to me, I think it was today, maybe it was yesterday, and they said, I don't even want to say this, but I said, well, say it. It's okay. The person was in pain. It's okay. Sherry, maybe that was you. It's okay. It doesn't mean that you're agreeing with it. When you, um, when you say uh, there's this issue, it's how you say it that's what's important. There's a good teacher at Karis Bible College named Greg Moore, and this is his statement. It's a good one. He says, it's what comes after the but that's important. Have you ever heard this? What comes after the but? So if you're saying, um, I'm going to say it in the negative first. Um, Jesus carried my pain, but I sure hurt The thing that came after the but was your acknowledgement of the pain in your body. But if you put it the other way around, I'm in a lot of pain today. But it is written that Jesus bore my disease and carried my pain. Therefore, pain, I'm talking to you, you have to get out. Do you hear the difference? I said the same thing, but I put them in different order and with different emphasis. Elevate the truth over the facts. Last point. Truth will win if we keep exalting it over the facts. I'm going to tell you a little story from Greg Moore. just a short one. There was a couple, and they approached my wife and me one day and expressed their discouragement over the lack of improvement in the husband's condition after several people had prayed over him and after several months of their holding on to the word. So here's a couple, a believing couple. They've been doing everything in the spiritual sense. They've been believing for their healing and nothing has changed. And they go to Pastor Greg and they, they're, they're asking him, why? And Pastor Greg asks the man, have you ever cut down a large tree with an ax? And the man said he had. And then Greg said, which chop of the ax brought down that tree? And the man thought for a minute and then responded, well, 
I guess all of them, he said. Greg Moore said, you're right. And the same principle is true when it comes to your healing. Every prayer of faith, every step of obedience, and every time that you exalt the truth above the facts is another swing of the axe in the sword of the spirit that will eventually cut you completely free from that sickness or disease. Your suddenly will come. Don't stop swinging the sword of the spirit. Don't stop declaring your healing. Don't stop exalting the truth above the facts. So Nathan, your suddenly is coming. With every chop of that axe, you are doing damage to the enemy's plan. Isaiah 53, 1. This is the same chapter that is the beautiful prophecy about Jesus the healer. In verse 1 says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Well, the second question there talks about the power of God. That's what the arm of the Lord means. To whom has the power of the Lord been revealed? Notice that before the arm of the Lord is revealed, it asks, who has believed our report? The, the condition for God's arm of power to manifest is to believe his report, the report of the truth above every other report. And that is a beautiful scripture to, to show us that. In the last scripture, John 16, Jesus is speaking. And I just take this for yourself. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world you have tribulation and distress and suffering. But be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished. My victory abiding. So the good news is that the hard part is done. Victory is ours because Jesus won it for us. That says it right there. We just have to believe it. Have confidence in your father and in the finished work of Jesus. And keep exalting the truth over the facts. And those facts will change. Amen. Amen. So when those, when those reports don't do what you want them to do, it doesn't matter. You have the final report. You have God's report. You have the victory. Victory is yours through Jesus. He purchased it for us. When you go to that doctor, go in with the truth as a shield between you and that doctor. It doesn't matter what that report says. You have the truth. 